Hello and welcome to PostgreSFM, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard. This is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, the topic is quite obvious for me. Over the last uh, week or two, it popped up several times in various places. Let's talk about auto-explain. Yeah, I think this might be our first purely extension-focused episode, which is cool. And I know it's I count it as an extension. Do you, in terms of it being like a contrib module? It's uh, extension, right? But mm-hmm. like, what else? It, it, it's indeed an extension. Uh, there are two kinds of extensions. Main extensions, which are contrib modules, so-called contrib modules, old, old name, right? And they come with mm-hmm. Postgres. And you can install it from official package PostgreSQL contrib. And there are all other extensions. But probably we should talk about extensions separately. Uh, it's a good episode idea maybe, right? But nice. uh, this uh, auto-explain, it's a contrib module. It's very like super official extension. It probably has more potential risks in terms of bugs compared to Postgres itself, but much, much, much less compared to other extensions because it's maintained by the same team as Postgres. Yeah, that's a really good point. It comes out on the same schedule. It's shipped with Postgres. So if you install community Postgres, you get it um, off by default, but it makes it that bit easier for cloud providers to offer it. They don't all offer it, but it does make it easier. It, Who, it doesn't offer it? Who doesn't offer it? I was looking at Heroku's docs. I'm pretty sure they still don't offer it. Uh, there's a chance that the docs yeah. are out of date. I don't even think some of the newer ones, so like Superbase, I'm not sure they offer it based on their docs. Mm. Maybe that's out of date. And e- even there are some new ones that don't offer extensions at all. Like But RDS, yeah. GCP, Cloud SQL, and uh, yes. Azure, they all offer it, right? Yeah, exactly. Quite a few of the, uh, the other popular ones do. Right. Maybe we should cover what auto-explain is. Automatic explain. Yeah, so it logs them, right? So it logs execution plans like you would get if you ran explain. Explain analyze. Yep, so you've got access to all of the parameters. There are some minor differences, but yeah, you've got access to all the parameters you do when you run explain and a couple of additional ones, right? So you can set a threshold so that it will only log plans above a certain uh, duration or execution time. It's uh, it's competitor to log min duration statement, which logs uh, queries which exceeded. Uh, log min duration statement logs queries after successful execution, right? Not in the beginning, yeah. as would a log statement do, but when it's successful. And if duration exceeds log min duration statement value, for example, one second, right, or mm-hmm. half a second. I remember, by the way. One of Postgres advantages, uh, like 15 years ago, was that uh, compared to MySQL, is that Postgres allowed fraction of second uh, for this parameter, while MySQL was like one second was minimal value you can use. So, auto explain is competitor here, right? Because sometimes people do it. You have both uh, log min duration statement set to one second or or 500 milliseconds. And auto-explain set to the same value. But uh, does it make sense at all to use this approach? Because auto-explain output will include query as well. I thought about this quite a lot in the past. And I think there are some different, like subtle differences that might make it worthwhile. But you are duplicating effort for sure. One example is another bonus 
parameter we get with auto explain, which is the sample rate. So because like because there is a small amount of overhead, which is not bonus anymore, because lo uh, log mean duration statement also has this capability since Postgres fourteen, if I'm not mistaken. We can also sample. So what I meant was that if we're sampling, we might want to sample one but not the other, for example. So we might want to ah, that's a good get point. all yeah. So you you understood. So I feel like we've actually covered two of the big points. One is that we've got this log mean duration for auto explain and we can set that in milliseconds. So it's off by default. So it's my, it's negative one minus one by default, which means don't log anything. So you have to set it to something. I would heavily, heavily suggest you do not set it to zero, which will log every, every statement. In, in, many, in many cases, it will just kill you if you do it. Yeah, the logging overhead is severe, not just in terms of performance, but also in terms of size, sheer volume of logs. If you yeah, yeah, kill. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, the logging subsystem will probably yeah. quickly become bottleneck, and uh, no queries will be possible to execute for Postgres at all. And and we can discuss the details here. It's an interesting topic uh, separately. Yes, yeah, so a, a typical value for that on a transactional system might be a few hundred milliseconds. So it's in milliseconds by default. Uh, you can set it to 100, and that would be 100 milliseconds, or 1,000, that would be a second. Yeah, and remember, we discussed what slow query is. And here, yep. it's, uh, it's very connected. So why 200 milliseconds? Because this is exactly 200 milliseconds. This is exactly when perception of human mind starts working. Right, so if if something exceeds two hundred milliseconds, human notices this latency. So we don't want uh, queries to exceed it in OTP systems, and that's why two hundred milliseconds. But unfortunately, in some systems, it's quite low value and volumes you will be seeing in logs and and observer effect from logging will already start hitting you. So sometimes people choose five hundred or even second. It depends. This is something where if you're if you're worried about the overhead or you feel like you've got a lot of slow slow queries at the moment and you just want to work your way down, you could start with a higher value and reduce it over time as you as you have fewer. Right, of those. this can be changed on without restart. What you cannot change without restart is switching to login collector, which is uh, I would highly recommend to do. Uh, but the, switching to login collector requires restart. Yeah, actually, that's yeah. a really good point. I have seen guides that suggest installing or loading auto-explain in shared preload libraries, but I think the general advice is to do it in session preload library because then you don't have to restart to, well, to get it. Well, it depends, of course, but I, I would, like, usually when you need it, if you didn't think in advance, you don't have it, right? And it's hard to quickly... Even in session, it's hard to implement it. So I would still recommend to put it to shared preload libraries just in, and probably even maybe turned off or with very high threshold of, in terms of duration and just be prepared to use it uh, for some incidents. Yeah, that's an interesting point. A high duration would mean you don't log too much at least, but you would still be paying the overhead of running explain all the time. So maybe also a low sample rate. If you there are multiple that. overheads here indeed, yeah. So let's finish discussing why it's useful and then yes. we will talk in details about various overhead things. So mm -hmm. why it's useful? It's useful because Postgres doesn't have, we have register statements, but they log yep. only query bodies in normalized way. So first question we usually have when we try to optimize some particularly bad query group 
or normalized query. We need examples. Examples can be taken from various places, but log mean duration statement, uh, slow examples from logs, it's quite a good idea. But then we, we think, okay, we experiment in some environment, for example, it's a exact copy, or it's like, for example, database lab engine, we have a thin clone branch and we check plan there. But then we think maybe in reality, few hours ago when the incident happened in production, maybe it had this, this query had different plan. And we yeah. don't know, right? Maybe, maybe. Like and we you can't reproduce it, right? If you, if you run, explain, you can, you can reproduce it. With database lab engine, you can do point in time recovery to go to a particular point in time and like exactly in the middle of incident. And then you can use the exact same planner settings and work map and then Postgres should, should behave similarly. Like 99% it will be so. But sometimes you don't have database lab engine. Sometimes you still have doubts. In this case, auto-explain is a good way, it's a very reliable way to tell that this is what we had in terms of plan. Because we have it logged, right? Like maybe the most reliable way to understand what plan Postgres used when executing this query. Yeah, exactly. And the metrics involved, right? Like, and the buffer numbers, the timings. So it, it right. can, it's the and only you can choose. way. You can choose both, none of them, or just yeah. timing, or just buffers. It's, it's possible to tune it and choose. Yeah. And you have very good articles saying that sometimes timing overhead is not that big. But let's finish pros of it. So to me, AutoExplain feels this approach, working with actual plans, feels like mm, like generation one right same as like remember we didn't have pg statements 15 years ago and we all used pg in first and then pg badger and uh, normalized queries uh, processing logs same approach as pg statements but only for slower queries those who exceeded which exceeded uh, threshold and the tool normalizes them and we have reports, nice reports. We understand that probably we don't see full picture. Okay, maybe sometimes we allow ourselves to turn on full query logging for some short period. This was considered as valid approach, understanding risks, overhead and so on. We turn it on for some minutes just to collect whole iceberg, right? And then we have an, a query analysis, but without plans, right? We, we, didn't, we never saw plans there, but then PGSA statements replaced this approach almost because like, okay, logs are good, but it's tip of iceberg. PGSA statements is a very good way to control almost all. It has like 5,000 limit in terms of normalized queries. Sometimes it's not enough, but still like you see almost whole iceberg, but without examples and without plans. So still logs are good for examples. I would choose PGSA activity with increased uh, track size. Uh, I don't remember. It's 1,024 yeah. by default. Usually what you want, it's like to put 10,000 there or so and see real examples to sampling from pages activity. But where to get plans? This is the, this is the big question because we, if you want to gather samples of plans or maybe even more normalized plans and understand what's happening, what to explain is the way to go still. I think in the future, we will have some generation two tools, maybe based on the BPF, by the way. 
maybe some yep. like some extensions but right now this is the best way to collect actual plans or to explain that's why it's so important and uh, many people want it that's why yes and i think it's the only way of running your queries getting the output of your queries and also logging the plan if you run explain analyze manually the queries run but you don't get back the results so it's it's an interesting like best of both worlds there there is uh, I, I don't get that talk so to explain uh, don't log results uh, it logs query query body it doesn't and plan it doesn't log them but whichever client like requested that so let's say you're running queries in client a over here it's getting results back from those queries and separately we're logging the results whereas if we okay. start up a session as, as client two and run explain analyze on one of those queries um, we get oh, the we get the plan back, but we don't get the query results. I, I right? see. I see. If you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you request explain analyze, you you say I want plan, but not results. But sometimes you want both. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so yeah, so that's and um, and, you, and you can play with parameters of explaining your session and say, okay, now in this session I want all queries to be logged by auto explain with pla with plans with timing with buffers let's go like full like tracing all plans and then you you work normally obtaining results that can be some application you you use right or just human who is working with database using sql and, the, and for this session with the log all plans because we want to understand what's happening right yeah like let's say for example you have something that's intermittently slow and you can't work out why it's intermittently slow you run explain analyze 10 times and it's not slow in any of those but then when you run it via your application one in a hundred is slow so how do you know when to run explain that like how do you reproduce that or to explain a really good way in terms of the v2 of of pgstat statements that's a really interesting topic and not not one that i prepared for but there is that extension from Pacona that's that they're trying to replace and I think that does sound I would pass. consider it as v2.5 not v3 but v2.5 nice yeah because it has more more things than pg monitor right pg monitor oh, pg, PG stat monitor, PG yeah. stat monitor. We'll get, like I'll get the correct name and I'll put it in the it's, log, in the it's notes. replacement for pg stat statements very promising interesting mm -hmm. but I think uh, like to become uh, popular you, you, we need to check it. its overhead it's very interesting I would like to learn more about it and also probably it should be in contrib models well to, that, yeah. I suspect that's their goal long term yeah I talked to them when they started I, I, mm -hmm. I talked to Peter actually and asked yeah. him about this particular decision to to instead of improving pitches statements to work separately and the one of the reasons was obviously independent release cycle because mm -hmm. if you want to to improve something from contrib modules you understand that release cycle is one year and you need to convince a lot of people and experimental things and so on it's hard to get into it right so it will, it will take years to build something very breakthrough because it's it's, yeah. it's hard yeah but separate you can move faster and uh, do many things i think it's a smart strategy so you've mentioned overhead a couple of times and i think this is a really interesting area not just for to explain but for a lot of these like a lot of things we've mentioned i have looked in the past and tried to find some even basic benchmarks of the overhead of things like PG stat statements, auto explain, uh, PG stat monitor, you know, anything like benchmarks this, I'm just interested. I understand that, 
But the flip side of that is that in quite a few places, people mention horror stories or there were really severe warnings in the docks saying, for some of them, not all of them, that the overheads really, that can be really massive, so be careful. But no one ever kind of says how much it is. And then in, if you go digging in the, the mailing list, every now and again you see either, like some people mention a few percent here or there, some people, one person mentioned like two or three X overhead. So <laughs> they, there are some really scary stories out there. So I, yeah, that was the time it's that I It can be killing overhead if you, if, you use, uh, if you don't use login collector, if you use syslog with journal D, well, maybe it's improved, but I benchmarked it uh, like many years ago. And then you you say uh, threshold is zero, meaning that meaning yeah. that you log everything. I think uh, you don't even need to uh, track timing and buffers. It will be enough to kill your system like just like that. So s- speaking of benchmarks, let's be a little bit in the context. This week, uh, yesterday actually, Autotune published an article saying that the worst thing in Postgres is MVCC, like uh, they hate it most. Well, I understand, but I digged into underlying research and uh, there is a paper, like scientific paper, comparing MVCC in various systems and it doesn't provide any discussion, any, any numbers, like how exactly they tuned auto vacuum, for example, and so on. So details are very important here. Mm-hmm. And we all know, like, it should be written on the front page of postgresql.org that defaults are very old. Don't use defaults, right? And you, you do need to tune it, unfortunately. This is Postgres. You do need to tune it. You need uh, to understand some things and you, you need or probably help from, from expert and tune it, right? So auto-explain is a great thing, but of course, if you enable, like, saying auto-explain is bad, it's the same as saying log min duration statement is bad. They both are bad. And, but they both are good. Let's talk about overhead. Uh, there are uh, maybe three places where I see overhead. First, we already touched, actually. First is uh, logging and disk I.O. overhead. So if you log mm-hmm. too much, um, since you log to disk, it's not good. If, for example, if you logged into some... I, I, by the way, I did it in some uh, TMPFS, like in, into memory small disk, but very, very quick rotation, understanding risks that it can be saturated in terms of space. But if you rotate it very quickly and send details to some, offload it to somewhere, you don't touch disk at all, you can lock everything in this case. It's possible to use it. Here, I would blame Postgres for not having some easy ways not to lock to disk. I would rather, for example, say it over UDP to some different place and that's it just send send logs and in this case we would log much more and just network would be our bottleneck right but if you log to disk as we do in most cases with postgres so this is number one thing to, to consider and sometimes people they store logs on in, on separate disk and i saw several times that this disk is magnetic <laughs> so yeah. yeah so this is easy like you can you can shoot your foot feet uh, very quickly here so this is number one number two cpu right maybe you can tell more here like how, so, how to yeah, measure so there are there's some there have been good blog posts in the past about like one from the ongress Al- team around Al- yeah yes so he said explain analyze uh, lying. Tell you lies yeah exactly it's a very good title but the main point he has is that if that if the track timing calls to measure timings. If you're running explain analyze with timings, which is the default for explain analyze, then 
even the fact of measure so the fact of measuring them so there's an observer effect classic observer observer effect yeah once you measure it it's changed you measure something else already yeah, yeah exactly so the timings reported and it so the query will be longer because you're measuring it now but it depends on, on, if- on cpu right on on xeon for example modern you know like cascade lake for example well relatively modern it's not that bad if you check it no, there is a tool within Postgres. I'll link it up in the notes, but I think it's called PG Test Timing or PG Track Timing, right. something like that. Um, in in it, Bin Directory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can. It's very quick and easy to check if yours is like relatively fast. The only place in recent time that I've seen a very like a not well performing one is when somebody was running Postgres in Docker, and most production systems I've seen are run on sufficiently decent hardware that. It hasn't been a big issue, but I do trust that there are some there are very well-respected people who do recommend turning timing off when you use auto-explain for this reason. And I think it's mentioned in the docs still as well. So I suspect there are cases where people are still running production systems or there were workloads where uh, I think Alvaro mentioned like nested loops having a particularly high like overhead, for example. Yeah. So if you're looping, if you have a workload that has lots of loops that do things in the tens of thousands hundreds of thousands so for some uh, queries, not good query not plans but it's possible it depends that on certain query, workloads on possibly yeah. yeah i wonder what's overhead on arm like graviton 2 and so on like I, I have you seen anything about it i think i've published the only blog post on this that's ever been published like i would love to yeah. see more but, but on this but i haven't seen any it's a good it's a good good area to research definitely interesting I think it's interesting, but based on the reaction I got, which is like, it's just a comment from you and nothing else. I think there's a, a, a limited interest in this for some reason. And I've seen a, quite a few production systems with auto-explain on, sample rate one, min duration 100 milliseconds, and timing on. So, and not just timing, right? Buffers as well. So I think this is like, there are, you mentioned it's not just You've, I think you saw in the past that buffers might have a small overhead as well. Buffers definitely have overhead. If you run, like, if you say explain, analyze timing of buffers off, you see, I mean, manually, right? And you can do it with the same with uh, auto explain. You, uh, you get rid of timing and buffers overhead. And you, you just, it's also already useful, right? Because you, you see structure of the plan. And you have total timing because it's it's already calculated. It's like sem- similar to log min duration statement uh, mm-hmm. log entries. So it's already useful to see structure and just total timing. Good. But then buffers and timing. I would choose buffers. They have some overhead. It, it's also interesting to understand for your system uh, and for your queries what, what it is. But uh, buffer numbers in this podcast are honored we have timing already, right? For overall timing. We don't have to choose for either or though, right? Like we can get well, both. We can, get, we can get both, right? But let's agree on this. Even if someone performs very good benchmark of overhead of auto-explain, I would consider it as valid only for particular system, particular workload. That's it. In each particular case, if we, can, if we are serious guys and, and we want uh, our system to be reliable, performant, and, and like scalable, grow, handle growth, and so on. We need our specific benchmark for our workload, which is a very interesting topic and hard to, uh, we probably mm-hmm. also need to talk about one time. 
and for our hardware, for our Postgres version, and so on and so on. And in this case, we should measure two overheads from buffers and from, from timing. And consider four points, like without anything, with both, with only timing, with only buffers. Here I would exclude with timing only. Because buffers, in my opinion, in terms of internal metrics in, inside the, the query, buffers are, are more important than timing numbers. What do you think? Uh, more important. I, I think it's like an argument for the sake of an argument. I don't, I don't see it as an either or. Like If timing overhead is not worth it for your system, if it's too much, don't track it and buffers are useful. But would I, like, if I had the choice of just buffers or buffers and timing, I would choose buffers and timing. I'm never in a situation where it's a choice one or the other. I've not seen, like, if they had similar overhead and we could, uh, if we could afford one but not the other, sure. But I've never seen that and I can't imagine it's mm. true because, for example, timing's tracked per loop, right? I, but buffers are reported, not per loop, they're reported per... Um, like yeah. per node. So I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't have the same looping overheads, for example. Mm, um, interesting. I and there are no warnings about it okay. in the docs. So it's, I've, anyway, yes, sure, in principle, I think you're probably right. But I just don't, haven't seen that be a practical question ever. Interesting. Okay, well, okay. Uh, maybe you should enable both and have sampling. It depends, maybe. Right? But if you do check this on your system, I'd love to hear, even if you can't share details i'd love to hear like what order of magnitude yeah. were the overheads like yeah i yeah. i i have it enabled in a couple of places actually quite mm -hmm. loaded ones recently but we didn't do somehow i missed this uh, we didn't have it's, it it doesn't follow my principles my principle is always have uh, some benchmarks and make changes uh, based on numbers and so on mm -hmm. but since it was enabled with some quite low uh, sample ra uh, rate I mean, like the below 10%, for example. Yeah. It was considered as low risk and uh, threshold and sample rate. So like, let's have something, right? We already have something uh, already useful. We didn't discuss it, but uh, one of the use cases, probably maybe very important ones, one is when we enable it. And uh, if we have big teams, we use this as to support their work on optimization, like continuous optimization. We say, okay, these are bad, bad slow queries, and we have examples with plans. Look at them. And in this case, if you enable it above this, like 500 milliseconds of threshold, and also sampling, 10%, enable both, right? But it's very bad if we do it blindly. We need to run benchmarks and understand what's the price here. How w would we do it in, in some system? For example, we have some system, OLTP, and we want to measure it. How? We we did a whole episode on this, right? Like benchmarking. Well, so. yeah, but this is specific benchmarking. First thing I would do here is to ensure that we don't have overhead from uh, observer effect from logging system, right? So the test our timing. Um, yeah, we should separate these yeah. uh, things and benchmarks should not hit, uh, not bu uh, bump into this uh, ceiling, right? We, do, we don't want to saturate our disk IO and then make conclusions. Uh, like, oh, you know how to explain is 10x. This is how you can do it very easily. So you should, you need to make sure that you have room in terms of disk IO. And then you yeah. can start thinking about overhead. Well, probably I would run two systems like exactly the same 
one with or to explain one without and you know I would probably like make sure I don't saturate anything at all it means that probably I would do it in single session I don't need multiple sessions here at all which means that it's possible also also to run it on some non-production environments like database lab engine for example you can you can mm -hmm. just compare and see like infrequent queries like single session run this query run that query and compare details probably uh, latency mostly yeah yeah latency right but but do it many times with the same query yeah to eliminate well, or, the, or a workload that you can replay on both right Right. So you don't want to reach the edge in terms of CPU and so on. Like very, like it's still performance experiment. It's performance research, and you repeat the same queries many times to have reliable data, and then you just compare without it and with it. What's the difference? Uh, and yeah, latency probably. What else we have? We can have PG start statements enabled and check not only latency but also. I don't know, like also uh, buffer numbers. Well, buffer numbers should not change, right? Because we, we execute they the same. shouldn't. <laughs> they shouldn't, right? What else? Probably weight event analysis would, would be applied here as well. Maybe. Like I'm, I'm trying to invent something on the fly, but definitely latency is the main point here. Yeah. The main danger in this benchmark is to bump into some different limit, like disk I.O. or yeah. anything else and measure it instead of real overhead from auto-explain. Yeah, even I fell into that trap in my blog post of the, I was probably doing far too high a workload for the machine I was running it on. And I also tested the logging overhead. And in, on my system, it was there was about 25% overhead just from logging everything. And then I turned that off and it got it down to, a, like it was less yeah. than a couple of percent. By the way, EPPF analysis would be great here. And like, mm. you know, yeah, you, you, you should see that overhead comes from auto explain. This is would be like yeah. the best if you, okay. Like you measure for this type of query, we have like 5% overhead because we, we know like this, this query executes with nested loops, like for different parameters. By the way, different parameters in PGSA statements, we have one query, but with different parameters, we have different plans, right? So we can have same query, but depending on parameters, uh, overhead may be different because plans are different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So parameters, sure. parameters also define the plan. And of course, so we need to take care of planner settings and workmen and so on. I, I mean, uh, this experiment can be done on different hardware. Uh, I mean, CPU should be the same, but uh, I don't care about disks unless they are saturated. If we don't saturate disk I/O, disks can be the same. File system can be can be different. Different file system. That's why ZFS and uh, database lab can work. But cores, CPU cores should be the same. Postgres version should be the same. Planner settings should be the same. And then we play with queries in single session and compare. Interesting mm -hmm. experiment, by the way. Yeah, and if we have ability to check with a BPF where like to perform an in-CPU analysis and see that indeed uh, like 5% overhead for these particular queries with particular, with particular plans, 5% overhead comes from auto-explain, this is success. So you mentioned three types of overhead. I think you said disk I/O for logging, for example, uh, CPU for timing. Was there a third? CPU for buffers. CPU for buffers, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, well, what else? What about additional memory? Probably no, right? What about network? 
Probably no. So I don't see any. Maybe if there are some other types, of it, I just don't see them. Uh, no, there are there are a couple of limitations I wanted to make sure we covered that I've seen catch people out in the past. One is that it doesn't track planning time. So these timings are all about execution times and there's no reporting of planning time. So if, for example, your client is reporting that a a query is taking 1.1 seconds and it's only a couple of hundred milliseconds in auto explain in the logs, that the difference, and you can verify this by running explain analyze, is chances are it's a very high planning time overhead. Well, and that's, I, I guess that's we, another we argument for... We have it uh, in, since Postgres 13, we have it in uh, producer statements, planning time. And, nice. yeah. and, and of course, like, it would be interesting to dive into, like, auto explain power is the tree, execution tree it shows, right? It would be interesting to dive into planning time for particular nodes. <laughs> like it's, it's not possible. Planning time is, is a whole. And it's a whole. Yeah. We have it in PGSTAR statements. If we divide it by calls, we have average uh, planning time and so on. Actually, we have, yes. uh, we have, we have, stand, uh, we have it there. Like mean, max, um, uh, it, it's, it's uh, there. It's tracked there. I think this might be another argument for the logging duration. Uh, what's the other set? The logging one we were talking about having both on. I think that one would inc- does include planning time. That's interesting. That. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So any difference there? Anyway, so that's a that's kind of a bit of a gotcha. Um, the another small difference is that, and I think this is coming in Postgres sixteen. I saw a commit for it. Is it doesn't currently log the query identifier, which can be really useful. Query even ID. if you, yeah, query ID. It also explain currently doesn't log it, even if you use verbose, which is the parameter that adds the query ID in explain. So that's another like minor difference between them. And logmin duration statement does it, right? Yes, good point. Another reason. Since some or yes, I remember in some version 14, 13, I think. 14, yeah. Mm-hmm. The start, uh, we have since that version we have query ID matching PGSAT statements query ID in both yeah. logs, slow, slow log. We call it slow log, but it's not separate unfortunately. And in PGSAT activity, right? So we can basically load it to some tables and then join them and have quite good uh, analysis and some people do this this uh, right yeah that that's, makes sense interesting and one other thing i forgot to mention that is different between them is that in auto explain we have a an extra parameter which is log nested statements and I've, that's another use case for this we don't have access to that when we want to explain for example doing function like i know a couple of people that use a lot of uh, you go already too far <laughs> right. So, the, like, I saw discussions on Twitter the last couple of weeks, and yeah. uh, there are different approaches. Some people say, no, 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 not on, not in production, not in production. But some people say, yes, yes, and I actually say yes, just, just carefully. Right. I like it, measured. But details, it's slowly to, to like. Oh, by the way, sampling is very interesting. I, I didn't realize it until like maybe a couple of years ago when you wrote this article. Uh, that uh, sampling exists for many versions already. Unlike query logging, for which sampling appeared in 13 or 14 only, like a couple of years ago, in AutoExplain it exists for many years and many Postgres versions. So we can yeah. benefit from, in, for, for, for example, in Postgres 12 or, or 11. So, yeah, yeah. All supported versions of Postgres for sure. Possibly yeah. some even. So it's great. Ones. It's great. Like yeah. I like sampling uh, for in heavily loaded systems. Uh, even if we, even if we concluded that we have overhead like fifty percent or hundred percent, 
We we still may decide for to have sampling at least like one percent of uh, of queries because we need this information. We will, of course, if we use it's bad if we have overhead. We enable it and nobody is using this information. But if we do need it, it's okay to pay some price, right? In some cases, and have this very important information to optimize our system. Completely it, agree. It it will it will pay off very quickly. All, all monitoring of any description has some overhead, right? Like we, we can't monitor at all. And most people think monitoring is a good idea. So then the question becomes how much overhead is worth it for the benefit? Yeah, over, um, observers and observer effects are everywhere. Yeah. Wonderful. Should we call it a day? Yeah. I think it's like a summary is that measure it on your system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, be quite uh, optimistic, I think. Like fears are discussed around, sometimes go from not understanding where it can hit you, right? And uh, if you understand where it can hit you, you'll be fine. Like yeah. disk IO and this, like we discussed it, and uh, and sampling, and so so you, you you can be good, and even if overhead for your system is quite significant with sampling and high threshold, it's, you can still find it very useful because plans are a very good thing. And don't set log min duration to zero. That's my final uh, parting advice. Right, right. And don't send queries as is to chat GPT. <laughs> and, and plans also. Don't send plans yeah. as is. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, thank you, Nikolai. Thanks, everybody. And see you next week. See you. Bye.